Has anyone here ever tried a fad diet? Or, or maybe you don't want to refer to it as a fad diet, but just a regular diet. Have you ever tried a regular diet? I, I know I have tried fad diets and regular diets. We live in an age filled with diets and biohacking. There's paleo, Atkins, alkaline, dash, mind, Mediterranean, Atlantic, and of course, Whole30. I tried Whole30 myself one time. I lasted a whole 30 minutes before I had a crushing headache and gave it up after three days. But now, there is a new group of diets called CR or FMD. I don't know if you've heard about these. These are kind of new revolutionary diets. Um, and they, they've done all these studies on them, and they've shown um, through these numerous recent scientific studies that the diets can cause you to lose 5 to 8% of your weight in just a couple of weeks. They've shown to increase life expectancy, boost metabolism, and cleanse the body of toxins. Any guesses what these diets are? Yeah. Fasting, that's right. <laughs> We've discovered an ancient tradition. <laughs> Not eating food for 24 to 36 hours has been shown to have some very real short-term and long-term health benefits. And so maybe you've heard of these inter, you know, intermittent fasting um, that, that are going on that have become popular. Well, this type of fasting does not have anything to do with why Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days. Jesus isn't coming up with another special diet or weight loss pro program called Whole40, where you fast for 40 days as some sort of body cleanse. If you want to do that, go for it. Be my guest, but do it safely. No, Jesus is doing something very different than self-improvement or self-actualization. He is practicing self-denial. It's worth noting that the very first ministry that Jesus engages in, his, his very first action in his public career in ministry is fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. The ministry of Jesus starts with self-denial. Today is the first Sunday in Lent, a season of fasting, and it's based on the 40 days Christ spent fasting in the wilderness. And we, as servants of Christ, follow him into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. Typically, I think we tend to focus on this Sunday on the temptations that Satan throws at Jesus at the very end of his 40 days of fasting. But I wonder if we've ever considered that fasting was an essential mark of Jesus' ministry. Fasting is a spiritual practice we don't really hear much about, or at least I didn't when I was growing up. Or if we do hear about it, then it's only about showing how good we are at resisting temptation. I managed to resist attacking my fridge for 24 hours. <laughs> Go me. It can seem like some sort of weird endurance test that the super spiritual Christians do. So what I'd like to explore today is why is fasting in the wilderness the first thing that Jesus does after he is baptized? Why is he led by the Spirit into the wilderness to fast? 
This is one of the Sundays when I'm so grateful for the lectionary. The lectionary is the assigned readings that we have for each Sunday. Because on my own, I never would have connected Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness with Noah's 40 days in the ark. But think about those two stories for a second. Noah is separated from the rest of humanity for 40 days while there is a battle between good and evil raging outside. Jesus is separated from everyone for 40 days in the wilderness doing battle with evil, with Satan. Noah has to practice self-denial and lay everything down to follow God's command to go into the ark. He leaves his home, his possessions, everything behind to do what God told him to do. And in the same way, Jesus practiced self-denial by not eating any food, leaving his family and friends for 40 days in the wilderness. That must have been incredibly difficult, especially when you consider that his primary company was Satan. Then there's one last striking similarity between the two stories. Noah is on a boat with tons of wild animals. And there's this one kind of almost throwaway line about Jesus' time in the wilderness that we could go right over. Mark 1.13. And Jesus was with the wild animals. I'll return to this a little later, but this is a critically important similarity between the two stories and helps us understand better what Jesus is doing in the wilderness. Our readings tell us that fasting with Jesus in the wilderness is about separation from the world, self-denial, and starting God's new creation. So first, separation. Why the wilderness? Why does the Spirit drive Jesus out into the wilderness? Well, Noah and his family had to separate themselves from all the other people in the world and enter the ark. Jesus, likewise, left his family, friends, and really everyone behind to fast in the wilderness. He started his ministry by separating. He withdrew from people. And during Lent, we hear this call to be separate from the world. To be, to be separate, to, be, to create some space and distance between us and the rest of the world. A few years ago, I was complaining to my spiritual director. I do that a lot. Um, I was complaining to my spiritual director because I was in a season of discernment. And it seemed like everyone around me was hearing from God, but I was not hearing anything at all from God. And so I was complaining to the, to the Lord and to my spiritual director about this. And um, every time that we would get together, my, me and my spiritual director would look at my rule of life. A rule of life is just a plan for how you're going to live out your spiritual life. It's kind of like daily, weekly, monthly practices in your spiritual life. And so, um, so he completely ignored my complaint um, and said, well, let's just do what we usually do and look at your rule of life. And so we start going through my rule of life. And uh, he says, we get to the end of it, he says, well, that's interesting. Where exactly do you take time to separate yourself from the world and listen to God? And I realized it wasn't in there. There was no space to just listen to God. I had not made space in my life to listen to God. My life was so full that there was no space for me to be alone and just listen to God. We need a degree of separation periodically. We need to get comfortable with being alone. 
Because it's only by being alone that we can discover that we are never alone. It is only when we are alone that we become aware that God is present with us individually. Jesus was constantly going off to be alone with his Father in heaven, to be alone with God. If Jesus needed alone time, then I certainly think we need some alone time. The Christian philosopher Pascal wrote, I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact, that they are unable to stay quietly in their own room. The discipline of solitude, separation from the world and others, serves absolutely no purpose other than being with God. There is no one else to impress. There is no one guilting you to do it. In fact, no one will know that you did it if you do it the right way, right? No one is there to see that you did it or not. The only person, the only reason for separation is you and God. That's why Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, he says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I know that this can be incredibly challenging in the crush of our daily lives. You know, especially if you have a young family or you've got a really demanding job or you just have, you know, parents that you're taking care of or whatever. There, it can be really hard. It may not be possible for it to happen every day for you to have some alone time. But maybe it could happen once a week, even if it's just for 30 minutes on your lunch break. Maybe, maybe fast your lunch and spend 30 minutes with God instead. Jesus invites us to be separate from the world. You know, and often people, when they're alone, will turn to their devices whenever they're alone because they're seeking some sort of connection. This is like a new kind of phenomenon. I've noticed that when I go to sporting events, you know, for my kids' sports and stuff, all like practices and stuff, everybody is on their phones and not talking to each other. We can do that when we're alone. We can try to seek connection um, in our devices. It may be uncomfortable to be alone and disconnected, but instead of turning to your device, seek connection with God. It may not be as immediately gratifying. You may not get a dopamine hit immediately from trying to connect with God, but it will be eternally rewarding. Don't numb your hunger for a connection by turning to your device. Point that hunger towards God. Second, why does Jesus fast? So he's in the wilderness. Why is he fasting? Well, Noah and Jesus practiced self-denial. They, they had to set aside what they wanted to do and embrace what God wanted them to do. And this self-denial leaves you hungry. When fasting from food, it literally makes you hungry for food. But that isn't the hunger I'm primarily talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual hunger. Theologian Cornelius Plantinga says, The early desert fathers believed that a person's appetites are linked. Full stomachs and jaded palates take the edge from our hunger and thirst for righteousness. They spoil the appetite for God. In other words, we deny ourselves, we fast in order to deepen our hunger for God. Fasting is primarily about God transforming us, not us transforming God. Donald Whitney notes, fasting is not a spiritual hunger strike compelling God to do our bidding. 
Fasting does not change God's hearing so much as it changes our praying. It changes our whole posture of prayer. Again, fasting is not about self-improvement or self-actualization. It's about self-denial. And I think sometimes etymologies are helpful. Sometimes they're totally unhelpful. But, but in this case, etymology is really helpful. Understanding the origin of a word. That's what an etymology is. And it kind of helps you understand what the word really means. And the word fast, which we're, we've been talking about this morning, about abstaining from food, is a bit confusing because there's another English word, fast, which means move quickly, right? <laughs> move fast. Um, as it turns out, those two meanings of fast have the same origin. They both originate from an ancient Norse term that means something like strong, firm, or maybe you think of the English word steadfast. In order to move quickly, to be really fast, you have to be strong. You have to be focused. You have to be determined, fixed on your task. Fasting is the same. It requires us to be focused and determined, fixed on our task. But that very task makes us weak and shows our dependence on God. And this brings us to the final purpose of Jesus fasting in the desert and our fast this Lent. Jesus was starting a new creation. Remember that throwaway line that I mentioned at the beginning? Jesus was with the wild animals. This line points us to the full reality of what Jesus was accomplishing when he fasted alone in the wilderness. Saying that Jesus was with the wild animals reminds us of the other times that humanity lived in harmony with wild animals. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden where the animals came to Adam to be named. Or think about Noah and his family when they're on the ark, living for 40 days with all these wild animals and caring for them. Like Noah, Jesus is starting a completely new creation. The flood that Noah went through was like a giant reset button on humanity. All the sinners are wiped out and God starts over with Noah and his family. Jesus' temptation in the wilderness was one giant reset button for humanity. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, but was without sin. He passed the test that all of us fail. And so he kind of, if you want to think about it this way, maybe this is helpful for you. He kind of hit the reset button on human failure by succeeding where we had failed. And so Jesus restored this kind of humanity living in harmony with the wild animals. He himself becomes harmonious with the wild animals like Adam and Eve had been in the garden. Lent is that reset button for us. We are separating ourselves from the world. We are practicing self-denial, saying no to ourselves so that we can say yes to God, so that he can start a new creation in us. We're meeting with God so that he can begin this new creation in us, one that's been washed clean, purged of all evil. A reading from 1 Peter 3 draws this connection out so well for us. Um, this, this connection between our Christian call in the baptism of Jesus and Noah's call into the ark. He writes, God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, 
now saves you. Peter tells us that we are called to follow the same path as Noah and Jesus. But this path will never be applauded by the world. David Brooks, who's a columnist for the New York Times, draws a distinction between what he calls resume virtues and eulogy virtues. And I find that so helpful. He writes, the resume virtues are the things you bring to the marketplace, which you put on a resume. And the eulogy virtues are the things that get expressed in your eulogy. The world celebrates and encourages the resume virtues, the things that give you success. But separating from the world, self-denial through fasting, these are eulogy virtues. Fasting isn't going to win you any accolades. <laughs> no one's going to applaud you for it. No one will notice. No one will see the time you spend alone with God in solitude. But these are the exact ways that Christ can transform us and the world into a new creation. We aren't the ones improving ourselves or the world. God is transforming us through these practices. And as God transforms us, he starts to transform the world around us. He's starting a new creation in you to bring about his new creation in the world around you. So take this Lent as an invitation to separate from the world a bit and embrace self-denial. It's not some sort of whole 40 for better living. It's about God starting a new creation in us. That when we all arrive together at Easter, we will be different because God has made us different. Each Sunday after church, we're going to be offering these spiritual practices that I mentioned earlier. I encourage you to come and try out some of these spiritual practices. These are, these are trusted and tried ways of meeting with the living God so that he can transform us. They don't have any power in themselves to transform us, but through them, God can and will transform you. This Lent, as we join Jesus in the desert, may we separate ourselves from our devices to be present with the Lord. May we practice self-denial and allow God to start his new creation in us. Amen. Thank you.